For a long time, the body of Christ has faced a challenge. That challenge is this, that we spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of money investing in children and teens and teaching them the ways of God and trying to instruct them. And about the time they hit 16 or 17, for some reason it seems like the church, and sometimes earlier than that, but it seems like the church becomes irrelevant and spiritual things become irrelevant. And about that time, at a key moment in time, because in the next few years, when a young person is 16, 17, 18, the decisions that they make for their life are going to set the course of their future. It's going to determine the person who they marry, the type of person they marry. It's going to choose their occupation. And a lot of times they're going to get stuck in really lousy marriages, married to the wrong person in the wrong vocation. It just sets their life At this point in time, it's vital that they make the right choices at 16, 17, 18. Because during those early years, those years, those are the big-time decision-making years. And that's about the time for many that they leave the church. doesn't matter what church it is. Again and again, you see that. Children who are taught and brought up in the house of God, and when they hit a certain age, the church loses them. Some surveys say that, Of the children attending church, 70%. If you go out into our preschool, the children and elementary school, the children who are attending church, 70% of them will leave church before they graduate from high school. So 7 out of 10 of those little boys and girls. Of them, of those who remain through college after high school, 90% will drop out before they leave college. This is just completely unacceptable. There again, throughout the country, children and youth workers work hard to develop relationships with students within the ministry. But oftentimes, other members of the church don't really have any relevant way of connecting with the children and with the youth. These are the challenges that we face. The world defines adulthood in negative and perverted ways. And the church doesn't do that great of a job of presenting young men and women with a clear godly definition of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. So young people go to their mom and dad's church. They attend youth group and classes. But when they graduate, they leave the church and don't return until they have children and are married. Not because they feel they need church, but because they feel their children need it. And some never return. Let me tell you this. This is your kids. These are your boys, your girls. This is your family. If the church fails at passing on, if we fail at passing on our faith to our own children, we have failed. We failed miserably because the most important thing of your entire life, please hear me, The most important thing of your entire life, whenever life is over, is not how much money you made, how beautiful your cars are, how nice your boat is. It doesn't matter what kind of degrees you have, what kind of education you've had, how big of a business you've built, how much money you've attained, all of your degree, all of the things that we would say are success. None of that matters on the day that you die and your children spend eternity away from God. 
Friends, there's nothing more important than you and your family making it to heaven. There's nothing more important. Listen, there's nothing more important. Your life can fall apart. You can die a pauper. You can lose everything. But if you spend eternity separated from God or your children separated from God, you've lost everything. Nothing else matters than me and my family making it to heaven. That's one thing I do appreciate about my dad. He would say, well, you know, he'd say, what I want you to do is I want you to serve the Lord again and again. I would hear those terms. That's what he wanted from us. Here's some of the other challenges we face. Our young adults turn to the world for answers. We lose them after incredible experiences at youth camp, at youth convention, at youth retreat, around the altars of the church. We lose them because they see themselves as children in the church, but we're men in the world. It seems in many churches, young people are connected to their youth group, but they've never really made a connection with the church body. They've never been tied into the church body. And so we have an entire generation of young people also who have never have experienced the power of their parents' spoken blessing, and they've never been affirmed and received as adults in the church. Most people never have a defining moment when they were recognized and blessed as a man or recognized and blessed as a woman. Our young men and women are crying out to be adults and they're asking for someone to show them the way. If the church doesn't show them the way, listen to me, the world is happy to show them the way. If they don't find answers and guidance from the church, They'll just find a distorted view of manhood and womanhood in the world. As we said, the problem is that many churches do not define adulthood and recognize the change that's taking place in the life of a young person because many of us never received a blessing on our lives. Many of us never really realized, when did I become a man? When did, for, for the ladies, when did you become a woman? At what point did I move from being a child to a man? While we see the challenges that face this generation, I want to say that it faces every generation. I want you to hear very clearly what God says about them. This is how God sees you, and this is what God says about you. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, just real quickly, here's the challenges that we face. The first thing we face is the confusion and the confusing definitions of adulthood. As we talked about this the other Sunday, there's a lot of confusion to when a boy becomes a man or when a girl becomes a woman. At Shady Maple, you become a man at 10 years old because you pay men prices. Isn't it something how it's very convenient you're a grown-up when it benefits them? You're a man at 10 years old when it comes to paying. If you go to an amusement park, many times you're a man at 10, at Disney World, I believe it's 10 years old, maybe 9, probably down to 8 now. It's something how we let the children grow up so quickly whenever it comes to paying the bill. If you're a law-abiding citizen, you're not able to be considered an adult 
oftentimes until you're 18 years of age. However, in some states, they can charge a 12-year-old with murder as an adult. So if you do the right thing, you're not a man until you're 18. If you do the wrong thing, you become a man at 12. According to the world, age and action determine adulthood. Minors are forbidden from buying cigarettes. You can join the army and die in battle at 18 years of age, but you must be 21 years of of age to get drunk and make a fool of yourself legally. Then there's the area of entertainment. Think about video games and movies. They have ratings, PG-13, R, NC-17, violence, nudity, and language. They say this content is for mature audiences, that it's adult language, it's adult content. Does that mean that as adults, all of our conversation is punctuated by four-letter curse words? Is that a sign that you're a man, that you can say coarse words, that you can say vulgar words? Chuck Stecker writes that adolescence is a lie. It's a psychological term, not a biblical term. The term actually came into being in about 1904. Its definition is the period of time beginning with the onset of puberty until adulthood, and adulthood is rarely defined, that is marked with confusion and rebellion. He says the term adolescence does not translate into other languages, that when other countries use the term, they use the American word adolescence. We're the only country that does not bring our children from childhood to adulthood. God's definition of adulthood is clear. God defines the beginning of adulthood when he changes one's body and gives them the capacity to reproduce life. This changing process is an instant, but it marks the beginning. God's not surprised by the changes in one body. He's not sitting there wondering what happened or how did that take place. God's the author of adulthood, just as he's the author of life. He understands completely because he designed the person to change in that way. We want to say this, adulthood does not equal maturity. We see much older adults who have still yet reached maturity. Adulthood is a process. It's a journey. It's not a destination. The change in one's body does not mark the finish line, but instead it should be regarded as a starting line. We want to say this, please don't confuse adulthood with maturity because It's important to mark the beginning that we recognize that my son is becoming a man. My daughter is becoming a woman. Next Sunday night, we're going to have a rite of passage. I wonder how many of you know what a rite of passage is. Do you remember when you got your driver's license? How many of you remember that? I still remember I had a Volkswagen, a blue Volkswagen, my dad had a blue Volkswagen rabbit diesel. And I pulled in and started to drive to take my test. I got out. I stalled the car three times. The guy said to me, do you know how to drive a stick shift? I said, I drove up here. Absolutely. I was nervous and I kept starting it in third gear. But here's the crazy thing. I was getting it going in third gear. I still remember that. How about your high school graduation? Maybe your college graduation. Your wedding day. There's a rites of passage. How many of you remember when your father or mother blessed you? Spoke a word of blessing over you into adulthood and presented you publicly to your family and to your friends and to your church as a man, as a woman. 
A lot of folks, you don't remember that day, do you? May I suggest to you that that's one of the reasons why there's so many broken men and so many broken women? Because they lack that gift that a mom and a dad, that blessing, those kind words, that bright future, that expression of love, that commitment that I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm never going to leave. I'm never going to desert you. I'm here for you. The difference between the two definitions, this is our third point. The difference is between the two different definitions. The world's definition is what you get to do. Well, I'm a man now, so I can. God's definition is who you get to be. The world would have you believe that becoming a man or becoming a woman is defined by the things that you do, where God clearly defines adulthood as who you are. If you don't believe on the inside that you have what it takes, that you've received the blessing, then nothing that you do on the outside from an action point will confirm that. No matter what it is, it won't be enough. The difference between the two is rights versus responsibility. The only place that rights are referred to in the Bible is when people failed in their responsibilities. When Paul wrote about the rights of slaves, he really spoke because the masters of slaves had failed in their responsibilities. When we as a family, community, and church walk in our responsibilities, no one else needs to worry about their own rights. Rights are only important when others abuse or ignore their responsibilities. Let me ask you a question. Where do you want to be when your son becomes a man or when your daughter becomes a woman? I remember hearing that question probably 20 years, nah, not 20, not probably, probably pretty close to 20 years ago. And that question just kind of, it resonated in my mind. And I sat and I cried. I cried like I was a baby. In this world, we carry wounds in our hearts. We carry areas of brokenness inside of us. We suffer sometimes because of the things either people said or they failed to say. We suffer sometimes because of the things that people did or failed to do. Can I suggest to you that much of the problem with alcohol and drug abuse today, the problems are as a result of wounds and trauma in childhood that so much could be protected. We're not blaming it all on this, but so much could have been prevented by a godly mom or dad really protecting and watching over their kids. And so they asked this question. I, I still remember it was at, it was at, at Christian Life Assembly in Camp Hill at a men's conference. And they said, where do you want to be when your son becomes a man and your daughter becomes a woman? Landon was just a little guy and Logan was just a little girl. And I thought about that. And I didn't know what, it, what, what does it mean. Does that mean whenever Landon gets in his first fight? Because that's, that's what the world says. Well, now you're a man. When they get drunk for the first time. When they have sex for the first time. When they move out of the house. When they can finally pay their own bills. Is that what it means for them to be? When they finally speak up and don't let anybody push them around. Is that what it means to be a man or a woman? When is that defining moment? I made up my mind that day. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. 
But I'm going to be there when my son becomes a man. And I'm going to be there when my daughter becomes a woman. I'm going to give them something. I have something that's of incredible value and of incredible worth. Let's see this picture. That was about the time. I'll tell you what, I think I'm... Isn't Logan a beautiful little girl there? I'll let you guys see. Landon, a handsome little man. Huh? Lori, a beautiful girl. I had a little bit more hair, but I'm going to be honest with you, I think I'm getting better looking as I get older. Okay? I know you were thinking that too. As he gets older, he gets older, I think he gets just a little better looking. Right, Tam? Tammy gets better. Tammy gets better looking the older she gets. Look at her. Runs in the family. You too, Terry. You know where my daughter became a woman? Right here. Right here. You know where my son became a man? He became a man right here. Here's what we want to do. We want to tie the most important things in their lives with the church, with Christ, with the body of Christ. We want to do everything we possibly can to connect them because if I fail at this, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. The Bible says in Deuteronomy about our faith, it says this. There's numerous ones like this, but Deuteronomy, be careful or you'll be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut the heavens so that it will not rain and the ground will yield no produce. And so you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your heads. Bind them on your forehead. Teach them to your children walking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your forefathers as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. So we're to pass on. We're to do everything we can. We can't force them. We're to do everything we can to pass it on our faith to them. There's a lot of beautiful things that have happened in this old tobacco shed. A lot of wonderful things in my life have happened in an old tobacco shed. Let me ask you the question. Where do you want to be? There's something powerful about a righteously administered blessing. I remember the power of spoken words. The power of words of hope. Words of faith. Words of affirmation. Words have the ability to give life and take it away. The word says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. There's something very powerful about a blessing. The reality of it is, is that many people have never really had, never had a godly blessing spoken over them. And how often that leaves people hurting, longing to hear those kind words. There's something powerful about a righteously administered blessing. For some people, their parents are gone. But maybe their parents never knew about that. Didn't have the spiritual insight into that. Oh, they heard words, but they were, you'll never amount to nothing. You're useless. You're no good. That's not what God says about you. That's not his words to you. And often those words are spoken in anger and those words are spoken in frustration. 
sometimes the silence is even worse. Sometimes the silence is much worse. I remember I was 21 years old, and I was doing what Logan Land did. I was an RA at the college, and we had this wonderful couple who were the dean of men and the dean of women. They were Dale and Jean Owen. They were killed in a car accident, and they died instantly, both of them. Wonderful, godly pastors were at the college, and they were mentors to us. I remember going in and sitting down in Dale's office, and I was getting ready to go into ministry. I had my position a year before when I did my internship. They said, if you'll come back, we'll save a job for you. See anyone else standing in line for me? So I said, yeah. I went in and sat down with Dale, and we were talking about something. Dale had this insight. He had the ability to read people, and I think he knew what people needed. He had a great spiritual insight. And in the middle of our conversation, he stopped somewhere along the line. He started talking to me. He said, Steve, he said, I just want you to know, if I had a son, and he turned out like you, I would be so proud of him. And then he began to pray over me and to bless me. I left that room feeling so, so encouraged, so hopeful. The reality of it is this. I believe that Dale gave me something. As a godly man, he imparted something into my heart and into my life that I desperately needed. As spiritual leaders, we've asked our pastors to be a part of the service and our deacons. It would be an honor to pray a prayer of blessing for you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and speak the words that the Holy Spirit brings to our hearts and our minds to affirm what God sees in you. God wants you today to hear His heart and His voice speaking through godly men, godly leaders and to be a blessing to you today. Father, I pray that as we worship, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just be real in this place. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to bless. There was a time in our lives, Lord, when the words that came out of our mouths were curses. But you've turned that around and you've blessed us to be a blessing. So I pray that in this room that the Holy Spirit would heal hearts, that He would prepare minds, that You would heal wounds that have long been there, and that You would show Your people that they are fearfully and wonderfully made with a divine purpose, that You got plans for them, Lord. You have a future for them, and we'll give You praise and glory in 